When you're pregnant, you start reading about the cost of having a baby. When you start reading about the cost of having a baby, you learn about the cost of sending that baby to college and immediately start saving all your money in a 529 plan. When you save all your money in a 529 plan, you save no money in your 401k, thinking your son will get a business degree from Harvard and take care of you in retirement. When you think your son will take care of you in retirement, he changes majors and gets a degree in jazz studies. When he gets a degree in jazz studies, he moves back home with you and you have to support him. When you have to support him, you don't get to retire. Don't be forced to work through retirement to support your jazz-loving adult son. Stop investing without a plan and upgrade to Money Talks. This is Money Talks. All right, we're back. I'm Troy Harmon here with Jarrett McKenzie and Melanie Wells, and uh, we've been talking about quite a few different uh, subjects. We do have a bit more to cover on this uh, this protection of your real estate assets. But uh, before we get into that, if you have a question, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can reach us at 1-855-429-9166. That's our question hotline. Uh, you call in. Listen to our uh, our recorded message. Uh, leave one of your own, including the question. We'll play the question on the air and answer right behind it. If you prefer to talk to a human being, you can call in at 770-429-9166. Uh, ask for Kelly Lynn, our radio show producer, and uh, she will take down your information and get us the question, wherein we can handle it that way. Uh, if you prefer not to call at all, you can email us at drgene at hensler.com. That's spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Uh, just send an email and let us know what it is that you would like for us to uh, cover on the air. We'll do that for you. Uh, the other thing is you can go to our website, hensler.com, spelled the same way, H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Um, and we have quite a bit of information uploaded so that you can uh, check that out. If it's a broad enough topic, uh, it very well might be covered on uh, on our website under some of the content we have uploaded. You can also get a hold of us at just about any social media. I think we're on Instagram and what else? All the things. Facebook. YouTube. thought you were hip. Yeah. Well, I mean... I don't have profiles on all these? I'm trying to be hip. I mean, I'm look, the look is first. <laughs> yeah, you can't be hip if you don't have social media profiles. No. Well, I mean, I know we're not on Snapchat, but I'm on Snapchat. <laughs> Are you really? Yep. Now I am impressed. I take all yeah. that back. Yeah, well, That's... I'm on it, but I won't let my kids be. How about that? Do people still use Snapchat? Is it still a thing? Yeah, yeah, it's still yeah. a thing. <laughs> Instagram, I think, is probably one of the most popular among the kids at this time. They don't want to read words. They just want to see a picture and move on. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway. That is very popular. Yeah. Well, All right. Enough foolishness again. Uh, let's talk a little bit about something more serious. Um, we have a situation we wanted to bring up. Uh, it's it's really kind of a legal issue. Uh, none of us are attorneys, so... Uh, Make sure to verify anything that you hear in this discussion with uh, with your legal counsel. But uh, uh, Bruce is a business owner. He's got a partnership with a longtime business partner, and uh, his wife, Teresa, works for a nonprofit. 
Uh, they recently purchased several rental homes. It's a pretty popular thing to do these days. Get sure. Some rental it's a good property. source of income. Yeah. And, and not only a good source of income, but it's a good diversification move. Um, now Bruce's business partner is concerned about the liability that this brings to him, I guess, as, as the business partner. Um, so how should the rental properties be titled to minimize the liability? I assume that that is one of the ways you can do it, just making sure that your ownership is somewhat protected, uh, maybe just tied to that one property and not to everything else you own. Sure. Yeah, so that's that's really what it boils down to is the liability exposure that's there as a result of you having this additional property because, I mean, who knows, the tenants of that property could have an accident on the property. And even if it's not a tenant, you might have a, a kid, a child running through the yard and uh, there's a hole there and they, they break their leg or ankle or whatever it may be. And, you know, all of a sudden, if that person, let's say, doesn't have insurance, now you've got some that, that's where the risk is coming from. And so one of the ways that people protect against that is to uh, create uh, limited liability companies, LLCs, uh, for which they transfer the title of that property into the name of the LLC. It, it basically uh, protects it from any exposure outside of the LLC. So only uh, the, the assets within the LLC would only be subjected to any kind of litigation. Your personal assets are protected from anything that would arise on that front. Uh, and it's it's again, trying to minimize exposure that would arise from all these others because a lot of folks have multiple properties that, you know, if you've, let's say you've got five or ten properties, there's a lot of exposure there. You, you're running the risk of someone uh, or even multiple people hurting themselves, and all of a sudden all of your personal assets, your home, you know, your your investment accounts, and, and maybe not so much 401s and, and IRAs have some protection to a degree, but uh, there's, a, there's a lot of exposure here that a lot of folks, when they buy a home, just like you would on your primary residence, uh, they, they don't transfer the title and don't even realize that there is this risk that they're running uh, with, with the liability that uh, comes with tenants and, you know, multiple properties like that. So that's and, just one of the ways. Yeah, and, Jared, it's it's probably not sufficient just to break off your rental business and have multiple properties under the same LLC either. I would assume it's probably good to have one per. Yeah, generally we would recommend each property have its own LLC so that for the same reasons we just mentioned, containing that exposure into just this one bucket, if you will, and, and ensuring that you're not exposing all the other assets in your life to the risk that comes along with, with adding those, these, these or having these properties. Because, again, you, you're not going to – you wouldn't buy a stock and have the same exposure that you have when buying a, a piece of real estate because you don't have a tenant or, or the potential of someone cutting through your yard and, and hurting themselves on your property – uh, you know, they, they might have the tenants there might have a, a neighbor over and the kids are jumping on the trampoline and somebody, you know, bounces off, breaks their neck. It, those sound like really, really far fetched things to happen. And they are. They're not common by any means, but they have happened. I've seen claims in which those kind of things have taken place. And the structuring things this way would certainly help to prevent liability exposure arising from that so that you know your personal assets as i mentioned are, are going to uh, be exposed and potentially uh, up in litigation uh, from whatever arises out of the situation that happens uh, so it's that that's one of the ways you can uh, protect against some of that another another thing we see often is uh, spouses transferring ownership between them because uh, it's really who, who owns the property who is the title 
of the property in, and it's that person who maybe, let's say, is a stay-at-home mother, doesn't have uh, any income or any other accounts, assets that are going to be subjected to potential liability or litigation. There are instances where it would make more sense for one spouse over another to own it if there was less to lose, essentially. Uh, let's say 95% of the household wealth is in one person's name. Well, you can own a property in, in the spouse's name and protect against some of that as well. The LLC is, is going to be uh, a much better way to do that, but, uh, again, it's not the only way to, to go about protecting and insuring against some of that liability that you otherwise have uh, by owning some of these real estate or rental properties. Yeah. Well, and I'm probably a bad example of this because my husband and I have a rental property, but we do not have an LLC set up for it, but we do have an umbrella policy. Okay. So we there have an umbrella policy that would cover the liability because at this point in our lives, we don't have a whole lot in assets that we would probably have an issue with there being a claim more than our policy is. Mm-hmm. So we have, I think, adequate co- coverage that way too. Yeah. And now is the cost prohibitive in, a, in forming an LLC or you just prefer to, to buy the insurance? Depends per state, probably, on the annual requirements. I mean, it can be cumbersome to do some of the paperwork, but, I mean, it's not anything that anybody can't handle, and it's worth doing for the coverage. The, yeah. you and know, you should the probably attention. have the insurance on the LLC covered mm-hmm. property anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, I mean, between, I'd say, six to 800, between drawing up paperwork for establishment of an LLC and then the filing with the Secretary of State. But to Melanie's point, the umbrella policy would also be a great way to provide coverage for this and the umbrella policy is most definitely going to be much cheaper than the LLC, but it's it's going to have its limitations as well because those will max out. Uh, so you want to make sure if you're using insurance to protect against uh, some of that liability that you otherwise have, that the limits are uh, appropriate and would help to you to cover any any uh, expenses that may come about as a result of this. But yeah, you know, it's it's about the titling, potentially moving it into an LLC or either the, the umbrella policy, as Melanie mentioned. I mean, these are all good ways to address this and something that you should certainly consider if you have a rental property and own it outright uh, in your own name. Yeah, there's one more question I'd like to ask, and we can answer this when we sure. come back. We need to take a break, but uh, how about owning real estate in your IRA? We had a situation where um, Bruce and Teresa recently acquired a piece of real estate. Bruce's business partner was a little worried about the risks that might be inherent to that and how he might uh, uh, take that so that it doesn't flow through into the business where his partner might be impacted. Uh, Jarrett, you shared with us um, probably the best way is the LLC. Melanie, you told us that you have a similar situation in your own personal situation, and uh, you've got an umbrella policy Mm -hmm. that covers that. What about holding a piece of real estate, a rental property, in an IRA? You've got to have a special type IRA, but at the same time, I'm hearing this, uh, you know, I'm hearing advertisement about it from time to time, and it just doesn't sound like the best of ideas to me. Can you guys expand on that a little bit? Yeah, it's a consideration to be made. As far as the liability exposure that we were discussing in the previous segment, it's that's not going to do much for you in terms of protecting uh, your assets from, you know, being included in any kind of litigation that may arise. There's not that's not really the best way to address any liability exposure as far as that's concerned. Now there are other reasons where you might want to do that, and and can you do that? Yes, you can. But again, as far as addressing it 
the, the liability exposure piece, uh, that's not going to be because really that that's all about the titling of the asset. And so if you still own it in your name and it's just held in a certain type of account, that's not going to do much for in terms of liability. But uh, there are some other reasons why you might want to consider that if if it's a liability issue and you're worried about exposure. Um, then something, you know, what we were talking about, LOCs, umbrella insurance, et cetera, those are the better ways to address uh, that piece. Now, whether or not you can you can have it in the IRA or if that's the best decision is, uh, you know, a, a debate. Well, think about it. I mean, even on the topic we're talking about, what if what if you have this held in your in your IRA and there's a claim against it and you could potentially lose that mm-hmm. asset in a lawsuit yeah, well, that's precisely why we would want to do what we were talking about with the the, uh, the situation there, the case study. It's about protecting against those assets so that if something happens, yeah, you don't lose that entire account because everything that's there with it or that's in your name all of a sudden becomes subject to litigation. Well, if you're saving retirement, it just sounds like too much risk to be taken. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I would certainly keep it separate. I mean, if that's where the assets are, if that's where the money is, and that's the only thing that you have access to to purchase uh, the piece of real estate that you're looking at, well, okay, then maybe it's worth further discussion. But if there's a way to acquire it outside of that, I'm not sure that I wouldn't try and start there better unless, or before unless there was a better reason not to because um, it just it just presents a lot of other cumbersome issues like what you were just saying right. if you try to own it there. And, you know, I'm not – I just don't think that uh, – Long term, especially when it comes to selling that property and other things, it's, it makes it difficult to have to deal with when it's inside of a, a retirement account. Well, we talk about this frequently. Real estate is an illiquid asset. Mm-hmm. And at some point in time, the government is going to start doing what? Aren't they going to force you to take yeah. a withdrawal? So you're going to wind up in a situation where you've got a, a minimum withdrawal to be made from this piece of property that's a good point what do you do in that case are you going to have to get a reverse mortgage on your rental house so that you can remove some of the cash uh, as the government forces you to or do you have to sell the asset then uh, you have to find some liquidity some way uh, right. because there's no way for, for you to not i mean you're subject to a 50 percent penalty for any part of that requirement you don't take and so it's some in some way or another you have to take out a value equal to whatever the requirement is, and, and that's a great point. If the IRA, if all that's owned in, the, in that account is the piece of real estate, well, then you better figure out a way to, to generate some liquidity uh, in some way because that requirement's not going anywhere. So the rent that you achieved over cer- certain years, if you haven't reinvested that and it's laying there in cash, might be a way to do that, but it's still because of the fact that you have a, an illiquid asset in an IRA, and there will at some point, when you're 70 and a half, in fact, uh, come a day when the government says, okay, take your money. Mm-hmm. It could present some issues. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, you either have to sell it well in advance or, or whatever. It's, there's plenty of reasons for us not to uh, not to advise. Well, mm-hmm. when you talk about it being illiquid, I mean, what if you did this when you're younger, in your 40s or 50s, and then you can't take that money out of your IRA without penalty? Right. Until, yeah. you know a certain age or later on when it's supposed to be used for retirement. Right. Yeah, well, that's why I say there, there's a, there's just numerous things that you'll run into. I mean, because like what what you were just saying, what if when, you know, generally when we pass, if the house is owned, uh, 
let's say outside of the IRA, it's an after-tax asset, that house gets a step up in basis. So if your if your beneficiaries are going to take possession of that asset and it's had a, a $500,000 gain because you bought it in, you know, let's say the 70s and owned it for 40 years, that gain all of a sudden is no longer a tax consideration for the sale of that property because you get the step up in basis uh, with with the passing of the owner. So if it's in an IRA, everything that you take from an IRA is going to be taxed ordinary income. So even though you might still technically get a step up, it doesn't even matter. Mm-hmm. The, the, in fact, the more the house is worth when that happens, the more you're potentially going to have increased required minimum distributions, the more tax you're going to have to pay. It's the same reason we don't want clients to own an annuity, no, nor do we generally recommend those. But if they're going to have one, it's certainly not be in an IRA because some of the benefits, the tax benefits that you would receive in, in owning those are negated by the fact that it's in a tax-deferred account that everything you take from is going to be taxed at ordinary income rates. Yeah, at a later date, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So um, it seems to me that uh, one of the other things, didn't we just have a, recently a change in law that uh, requires your – your uh, uh, if you leave an IRA to your next of kin, it's got to be taken out. It can't be um, can't be pushed off. So now you've – created a situation where that illiquidity is another bigger drag on on uh, the folks that you've left it to your next of kin um think about that i mean instead of being taken out over a period of time when uh when they're um uh along according to the irs tables on their lifetime now Mm -hmm. you have to remove all the assets in a shorter period of time so now you've created an illiquidity issue for those who you would leave your your IRA to. Right. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it seems to me like there are plenty of reasons that this was not uh, created uh, to to fit real estate. Uh, yeah. The IRA laws don't really um, Most often there will be well. a more optimal answer uh, to that, unless, again, the money's just in an IRA, and that's the only way you can acquire the property you're looking at, so... Well, that's the reason that folks do it anyway, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's their biggest source of of uh, wealth, so they're going right. to just tap into that and, and try to buy something out of that. Well, we're going to take a real quick break. Uh, when we get back, we'll answer some more financial questions. Stick around. You're listening to Money Talks. First things first, I'm going to say all the words inside my head. I'm fired up and tired of the way that things have been. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. 
This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.